There's your jump start. Beans are roasted. It's been ground. Let's get going. I was going to try to rhyme, but I can't. (laughs) Anyway, it's What the Pat, episode 16. I sort of have a special guest this week. You'll hear about that. I got some feedback on blenders and uh, what's that, Discord Accords? Huh? I... I didn't side with the parents, technically. Of course, I'll be talking about what I've been watching. I have a little weird diving story I found. I don't know if it's a weird diving story, but I don't know. It's fly by the seat of your parents. Let's get going. Why don't we roll into a video I came across, which that happens, right? In life, you come across the video. I don't even know if that made any sense. Anyway. Let me get adjusted here. Make sure things are in in good. I've been talking about sharks lately, which, you know, that's a pretty cool thing. And it, it ties into diving, which I'm sure that's how this video popped up in my YouTube feed of videos. And, you know, how they're like, hey, you might like this. What's neat about it is this video actually coincided with the thumbnail. Because, you know, sometimes you get clickbaited into something. And I was like, well, let's see. So I clicked it. Uh, basically, the thumbnail is just Jason Voorhees, who looks like he's in water. And, you know, of course, it says Jason Voorhees statue in Minnesota Lake. And I'm like, okay, I'll bite. I'm sure it's, like, not going to be anything and it's going to be dumb. Actually, no. It's way freaking cool. This guy is uh, diving around a Jason Voorhees statue that someone put into uh, Minnesota Lake. And I think the guy diving one of his buddies did it and it's pretty creepy because it looks pretty real and you know for a horror (laughs) thing um but i couldn't imagine diving and come across it uh they do say that you have to be an experienced diver to go see it because the temperature of the water is about 38 degrees and it's in pretty deep water so it's way down there and from what i was reading there's actually a whole bunch of other stuff down there that you can dive and see but they're really telling you you have to be experienced to go catch the Jason Voorhees statue and it's pretty creepy because it kind of just floats there and you could swim around it and check it out and everything but the video is kind of neat it's short and uh, again creepy and you know I just found it interesting and stuff you know how things pop up and everything but diving for me that's I don't know if I could ever do it because I don't like the feeling of being in water that's deep and you move slow so you can't look around you. So I think this is years of horror movies that have screwed me up mentally. Even the woods at night. Everybody's like, they're so peaceful. I'm like, yeah. Do you know what's in the woods? No. Because you can't see it. It's dark. And then you start hearing things and then you're like, kick It's like how those songs get stuck in your head and then it starts playing out like it's real life, you know? It's like if you've seen Reservoir Dogs, you know what I'm talking about. Don't say you don't. Seriously, stuck in the middle with you? What do you see? That's that's all I'm saying. It's pretty crazy how music can be attached to something and give you that, you know, much like smells. Man, I'm going off on the wrong track here. Anywho, I'm betting I could probably go diving. Just got to get myself in the right mindset and check it out because I've heard it's really cool, and I think it'd be cool. I've I've skydived once and wanted to get right back up and do it again. I did a tandem jump, and uh, it's just incredible and exhilarating. I would like to bungee jump too. It's on my list. Haven't done that yet. Then we go from diving to bungee jumping and skydive. 
probably all thrill seeking, right? Now we'll jump down another avenue because uh, Discord Accords and I have been. I don't know if we've actually gone back and forth yet. It was me and then them. So I just wanted to pull back a little bit and explain on Abducted in Plain Sight and my feelings towards the parents. I think they're taking a lot of heat. Now, granted, there should be some common sense in there because there were moments I'm like, really, you fell for that? You know, so, you know, I guess sometimes it's, it's, it is a documentary, so it, it's shown in a way of, you know, twisting things and stuff. But I don't think the parents are totally off the hook. There's still some responsibilities in there. And, uh, yeah, I've never, no, don't, yep, sorry, no reach over for me. Of course, now you have to listen to both of us, Discord Accords and What the Pat, to kind of figure out what's going on, right? Or maybe not. Maybe you can figure it out just from listening to me or just listening to them. But anyway, you should check them out. Discord Accords. They're on iTunes, Google Music. Oh, I believe Spotify. They're on all the channels. So check them out. Really, it's, it's a fun podcast. I'm not just saying that. And thanks for the feedback on blenders. So as I spoke last episode, I was talking about our Instapot Ace, which is the blender we picked up. Uh, Jonathan, I have looked at Blendtec. We used to have an original Vitamix and have since given that to a friend because we had gotten the Ninja and we gave, uh, we just, the Ninja gave us more options instead of the Vitamix we had. I'm t- this was the classic. It looked like a 1950 toaster with a metal blender that stuck on top and everything. So Ninja, more options, and uh, thought it was cool. So as far as Blendtec, yeah, those are pretty sweet blenders. Um, we went with this one because I think the heating part was intriguing to us and wanted to try something different. And this too will do, uh, this is for you, Steven, Nut Jam. Nut jam. Uh, it'll do different types of milk. You know, nut milk. Can you put those two words together? Nut milk. Anyway, there's some fun for you. So I think I would look for improvements on it in the future. And uh, as far as RVing, we'll probably be looking for something that can do smaller quantities, but very powerful. Which uh, the neutral bullet, or uh, yeah, is it the neutral bullet? Or Magic Bullet, one of those. They have the smaller cup sizes uh, for doing different stuff and everything. Uh, but we definitely use it at least minimum once a day. So, And you, Stephen's talking about multi-purpose stuff. Uh, yeah, we had a Keurig. It was okay. I prefer French press. That's dead simple. And actually, you could do many things with a French press. Many things. But I mostly do coffee with it. Um, and we did... For a while, we were in, there's a spin coffee maker, and it's still not on the market yet. We were going to get that a couple years ago and, you know, put our money in. It's like a Kickstarter, and it just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. So we asked for our money back, and they were cool enough to give us our money back. But if you have a chance, um, check it out if it ever hits the market. It's pretty freaking cool what this thing can do. be nice to see it get off the ground. Um, and, and speaking of coffee makers, Ninja, uh, even makes a cool one that a few of my friends have and they really love it. But yeah, I'm more simplistic with the coffee. Although some of these other devices are pretty cool. Yeah. Like Quasinart now makes a cold brew machine so you can have cold brew in like 25 minutes. It's a hundred bucks. I'm thinking I can wait 24 hours with some planning and use my $20, uh, a cold brew craft that I have that works out great. But you don't even need to buy that. You could just take coffee grounds, soak them in a mason jar, and then strain them out. Dead simple. 
And I'm kind of a firm believer of the all-in-one tool is never really good at one thing in the toolbox. So, you know, you just can't replace a good old screwdriver with a multi-purpose thing, and you know, unless it's in a pinch. But we aren't talking tools. Oh, I just thought of some cool tech that I actually have that you might think is cool and it's helpful. You might think it's lazy, but I thought it was kind of cool because there's times when you're getting ready to take a shower, the temp looks good, you stick your hand in, you're like, damn, that son of a bitch is hot, or whoa, we could add a little more you know, heat to this. Uh, it just attaches right there and you can see the temperature of the water before you get in. So you can dial in your favorite temperature. And I thought that was kind of cool. Some would be like, it's lazy, just use your foot or whatever. But, you know, it's kind of cool to see, you know, the temperature right there. So I'll put a link in the notes. Um, but I found it pretty helpful because our shower can be finicky. And, you know, it's cool. I dial it in. I'm like 111. Cool, that's my temp. I'm hopping in. Uh, this one is pretty close to what I have. And it only has a two star. But there's a ton other out there you could check out if, if it's something interesting. But it's kind of a cool little, you know, thing for me kind of nice knowing the temp <laughs> of course you walk in you're like 96 i can't get into that and you dial it up uh but yeah the link's right there but there's a whole bunch of different ones what's cool is it doesn't take batteries so the water coming through powers it up so you can see so no batteries to replace or anything and it's easy to install but i don't know why this one has two stars versus the one i have but the one i got which looks just like it um has been doing great CC Ralex LED thermometer. Yeah, there's the tech talk. Little little shower help for you. Do you have any bathroom tech you like? I know uh, Stephen likes to have his phone in the shower with him. He he talked about it. I'm sure I could talk about this. So I, I bet you there's some cool <laughs> devices you can have in the shower that allow you to have your phone. Especially, I mean, now... The way phones are going, they're pretty much waterproof, most of them, so you could just probably take them right in and hook them up in the shower there and keep keep going with your videos and or listening to stuff. But, oh, there's an also cool ceiling fan speaker. I've been tempted to get it because it's kind of cool, but then I'd have to install it, and I'm kind of lazy at times with that stuff and thought it was cool. So, yeah, it's a ceiling fan speaker, and some are even a light. So it must be a quiet fan if you can hear a speaker or else you're in there rocking out. Which if you're trying to catch up on your podcasts and stuff, it could come in handy. Or, you know, you just want to shower to some music. But speaking of other podcasts, um, I just started another one. I just keep getting sucked into these holes of... I mean, there's so much good content out there nowadays. It It's crazy. You just don't have enough time for it all. Up and Vanished is a cool little podcast. It's uh, Tenderfoot TV. So their website, tenderfoot.tv, have several different podcasts going. But this one I just started, and it's it's like a documentary podcast. At first, I thought it was uh, just someone telling stories because I really didn't pay attention. I saw Up and Vanished. I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot and see, see what's going on. They go over, uh, what was the first one? I'm just trying to look through the notes here. Uh, it's about... A teacher who's also a beauty pageant contestant, uh, she comes up missing, and that's that's what they're uh, started out with. Uh, yeah, episode one, Cold as Alaska is the title, um, and they are investigating and going through. So it's an audio version of a documentary 
of a missing person, and it's pretty cool. So check it out. Plus, they have a couple others you can check out on their website, which I'm going to work through this and some others I got going before I start something else out. But pretty cool podcast, and I feel it's it's good it's got good production quality to it and everything. The only thing I might say is a bit too many commercials, but you got to make some money sometimes, right? Stay tuned. I got a commercial coming up. And back to you, Pat. Thanks. So TV just finished True Detective season three. I don't know if I'm happy with the ending of that. I am craving more. I really enjoyed the characters and everything. Um, but overall, I-, I would probably give that an eight out of ten. Uh, the ending uh, left me kind of curious, but I get why they did what they did, so it makes sense. All three seasons, though, definitely worth watching. If I were to rank them, it would be one, three, two, being that one being the best and two not being the best. Or you could do it backwards. It'd be like, you know, two wasn't that good, three was decent, and one was great. There's my rating system. It's going to change week to week on how that goes. Because if I have five seasons i could rank it differently than that so yep finished true detective started lorena now i'm sure most everybody knows who she is um but amazon prime has a little four-part documentary on lorena bobbitt and it's pretty interesting uh i thought at first when episode one kicked off i was trying to figure out what was going on because i couldn't stop laughing and i don't know if that's right or wrong but i think what they did was let you know let the jokes get out the first 15 20 minutes and then really roll into it but it's a pretty interesting documentary basically from what i remember i just remember all the jokes and everything and i don't remember the outcome of the trials and all that so that's what you're getting into um i'm two episodes in got two left to go and uh well we'll see how it goes also i'd like to note if you hear any dogs howling or barking in the background currently have 14 dogs here so a little busy so jumping in recording this while I can when it's quiet. And sometimes they like to make a little bit of noise. And other times they're nice and sleepy. And of course, Survivor's back on, two episodes in. I wasn't actually too excited to see it this season for some reason. And I think because news was covering it quite a bit. And then I was like, that kind of took away from the excitedness. And two episodes in and really enjoying what they're doing this season. So I'm actually happy to be watching it again. And also, The Walking Dead. It's been getting nailed for its ratings and, and viewership is dropping. But I really think they're starting to come back around. What does concern me is they're, they're going to start up another uh, spinoff. So there's going to be three of these. So I don't know how that's going to go because Fear the Walking Dead last season was a bit weird from the previous seasons i enjoyed it but i'm not sure if i enjoyed it as much and of course it was cool seeing some some from the walking dead over there now i'll try not to give a spoiler but yeah some some tie in over the, to that but looking forward to more of this season of the walking dead and, and how it's going to play out and then uh, still getting excited stranger things is coming Uh, Game of Thrones. And also, if you haven't seen the OA on Netflix, it is a really cool uh, uh, first season. And I was wondering if they're coming back with a second season. And guess what? They are. The trailer looks phenomenal. 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 Trailer looks phenomenal. I'm going to leave that in there for you. I'm not even going to cut it out. No. Anyways, season two looks phenomenal. March 22nd, that one hits. 
And while we're talking shows, movies, and such, Hellboy trailer number two dropped. And I, I, of course, jumped in and watched that instead of waiting because the first trailer was all right. Uh, Billy Idol, Moni Moni kind of killed it for me. And this one looks a little more in tune. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's what I was getting to. So hopefully it's good. Fingers crossed. Gotta love a good Hellboy. And to wrap up movie TV media talk, Star Wars is fixing to drop its title. I really hope it isn't the one they've been tossing around. I think one I saw was Balance of the Force or something stupid like that. I hope the title is cool. And I'm really looking forward to it. And as soon as the trailer drops, I'm definitely going to watch it and not hold out like I did with uh, Avengers. Which, man, that's so close to hitting too. But we get Captain Marvel first. I'm looking forward to it. And Dark Phoenix. The latest trailer looks neat, so I'll probably watch it. Because, well, Cinemia. Now let's kick it off for some history. I'm going to start off with the uh, biography from my great-grandfather, Grandpa Jack, Captain Stull, which I do have a podcast on just those letters being read, if you want to check that out and skip all of this and listen to them. It's on all the platforms. Also, the link is on my website, whatthepat.com. You can go into podcasts and find it there with other stuff I listen to, too. It's uh, Captain Jack Stull is the name of it. But let's kick it off with the biography, and then we'll lead into a letter that Stephen from over at Discord Accord said, hey, I want to read one of those. So he's, he's reading a letter, and here's the biography. Elmer Jack Stull, born August 27, 1887, on a farm two miles from Chesterville, Illinois. The death of his father in a railroad accident when he was 12 obliged him to quit school to help support his family of six. Moved to Pacific Coast in 1900, worked in many jobs, messenger, railroad, carpentry, plumbing, bridge, and dam building machine shop, mining, steam engine, etc. Went to sea in square riggers from 1906 to 1910, then in steam and motor vessels. Married a Sydney, New South Wales girl in 1911, brought her to the Pacific Coast in 1912. They had four daughters. Enlisted in the United States Naval Reserve in 1917 and called into active service in August. Commissioned as an ensign a year later, to his vast surprise that an uneducated man could rise to such a then-coveted height. He was promoted to warrant officer two months previously. During the First World War, he served on both the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean, released from active duty in June 1919. Resumed service in Merchant Marines, starting with Admiral Oriental Line, which later became the American Mail Line. Held first command of a vessel in 1929 with another line, but returned to American Mail Line in 1931, with which he served ever since. Commanded SS Collingsworth when the Second World War opened, sailed from Singapore the night of January 30, 1942, with 82 evacuees from Java, for further transport to Australia. Sailed from Surabaya, Java, the night of February 19, 1942. Both above cities were captured in a few days after they left them. Proceeded to New York, arriving May 6, 1942. In transatlantic service to England and Ireland until taking command of SS Samuel Parker in December 1942, in which he proceeded to the Mediterranean, where he operated from February to August 1943, under the British Ministry of Warshipping then to New York and the transatlantic run again. Had command of the MS Island Mail during the Kwajin and Saipan invasions, then command of SS Waco Victory, getting in on the tail end of the light 
activity. Next transfer was to the SS Cape Noonanham, another troop ship, in which we saw no enemy activity the remainder of the war. Holds the Lloyd Silver Medal and a couple of others for life-saving prior to the war. Was awarded the DSC by King George of England. Written by Elmer J. Stull, 1887-1975. SS Samuel Parker, Port Said, Egypt, Easter, Sunday, April 25th. 1943. Report on fire. At approximately 5 a.m. this date, a lighter alongside, half full of five-gallon tins of gasoline caught on fire. This gasoline in single tins was being loaded into our number four hatch. Our number four lower hold was practically full of these tins at the time. Fire apparatus at this hatch consisted of four two-and-a-half-gallon fomite extinguishers, two-wheeled 35-gallon Fomite extinguishers, and the ship's fire hose. Three Egyptian firemen, one Egyptian policeman, two native watchmen, a stevedore supervisor, and a Shell Oil Company foreman were on duty on the ship. In addition to the chief mate, four men of the armed guard, and several ratings from the sea transport office. Moored off our port side, about 75 feet distant, was the SS Blank that has been redacted. That vessel had been put into that berth the day previous. Her crew had been publicly warned by this vessel's officers not to smoke on the decks facing us. Big warning signs had been posted up all over my ship, forward, aft, and about the gangway, that smoking was positively forbidden anywhere on deck, in storerooms or quarters in the holds. The crew's mess rooms and the thwart ship alley leading to the mess rooms had been set aside for a smoking area and the extreme danger of fire had been verbally drilled into my crew. This ship's watertight doors and the port lights opening on the main deck had been kept securely closed since loading began. Only the two side doors were allowed to be open. In addition to the sea transport office ratings, four U.S. Navy armed guards were about the decks, armed with revolvers. They were given the power by me to arrest any man, Steve Doerr or otherwise, caught smoking in prohibited areas. Lieutenant Field, in charge of the sea transport detail responsible for safe loading, was almost constantly about the decks. From the start, he and his men had cooperated fully with us. He had been particularly keen in enforcing regulations, seeing that the cargo was well stowed without rough handling. Since loading began, three coolies had been caught smoking about the deck for, by this vessel's armed guard. Lieutenant Field took away their identification tags and sent them ashore at once. Our Navy armed guard had twice seen some evidence of smoking in the end compartment of lighters alongside four days previous to the fire. Corporal Prowse went down to investigate these cases and warned the lightmen of the serious consequences if they were caught smoking. On one afternoon, when Lieutenant Field had gone ashore to the STO, this vessel's armed guard caught a man on the gangway with a cigarette. This offender was sent to the Navy House to be dealt with, according to the Chief Officer's report to me. Whether he ever got to the Navy House is a question, but the above shows the precautions that were taken. The most reliable report of this morning's fire came from L.R. Gunter, one of our Navy armed guards. He stated he was on the after deck, port side, near the stern, looking over the side. A sling load of gasoline was just being hoisted over the rail. Out of the corner of his eye he saw, or thought he saw, a can or two fall from the sling into the lighter. He is not sure of that, but a sling load was still hanging in the air during the fire, and one can was partially hanging over the edge of the tray. Immediately he heard a dull explosion from the lighter and turned and ran toward it. As he looked over the side, a blast of smoke rolled up in his face. He gave the alarm at once. The dull explosion mentioned was heard by the chief mate on the foredeck, by the engineer on watch, and by others. 
It also woke up two engineers who said they thought it was a distant bomb from an enemy plane. As I see it, there are three possible causes of the fire. Smoking, sabotage, and sparks from falling cans of gasoline. Cans of gas have been dropped on the deck from slings on two previous occasions without starting a fire. These longshore coolies are inefficient, careless, and dumb. If they weren't dumb, they would not have to be watched for smoking. Upon the alarm being given, my crew got all available hoses to bear on the lighter. The adjacent lighter full of gasoline had caught fire immediately. Two hand extinguishers and 35-gallon foam extinguishers had been turned on the fire as the alarm was being sounded. But one of these tanks was on the starboard side, its hose too short to reach across. That did not matter as the fire leaped end-to-end of the lighters, making fire foam useless except in extreme quantities. The ship alongside us had got a couple of hoses going as soon as we, and both of us continued to bring more hoses to bear as quickly as possible. At the first alarm, I had notified the engineers to get steam ready to move and had sounded the whistle for tug assistance. Lieutenant Field and his men were right with us, but the coolies had vanished like ghosts. One of Lieutenant Field's men slid down a line to the lighter ahead and cut the burning lighters adrift from it. It took quick work. Everybody hurried. Our life raft in the rack overhead was blazing. The flames curled over the deck and caught the STO life rafts wash rack and privy there. By this time, we had got five streams of water going, and they were slowly driving the blazing lighters astern. At this time, I told the second mate to cut our stern lines adrift and the chief mate to heavy ahead on the anchors. Slowly, we drew ahead. The engineers reported engines ready. By the time the blazing lighters were under our stern, a tug on our starboard side had gone aft. I called to her to take a stern line, but the tug had got aground and couldn't move. pilot came aboard about this time, and we hove up and proceeded to the outer harbor moorings. Valuable assistance was rendered by the STO men and by the SS blank, also redacted. The Fomite tank and engine was not got underway until too late to be of service. It took too long to get the hose to the scene of the fire and too long to mix the chemical, although the tank was full of fresh water. What is needed is the ready-to-use type with the great capacity of chemical right at hand for gasoline fires. I did not notice that the three Egyptian firemen distinguished themselves. Mr. Armstrong, American Bureau of Surveyor, came aboard at 11 a.m. and made a survey of the buckled plates on the port side of the ship and the other damage below. It would have taken but a few minutes longer to set the gasoline in number four hole to blaze. It is a marvel that it didn't catch it once from the fume-laden air in the hatch. Damage. Five hole plates buckled over an area of approximately 600 square feet. One ship's life raft charred and manila lines on it burned away. One 10-inch single wood block burned up. One three and a quarter inch manila guy burned up. Three manila mooring lines, eight inch diameter each, approximately 300 feet long, burned or rendered unserviceable. One seventh eighth inch galvanized wire mooring line turned adrift. STO property damage, one each, portable wash rack, privy, and two life rafts chart. Very truly yours, EJ Stoll, Master. I want to thank Stephen for taking the time to read that, and hopefully you enjoy all of those because there's more to come. And again, like I said, you can also just listen to him direct at uh, Captain Jack Stull Podcast. It's on iTunes, Google, all your favorite places that, you know, you listen. You can hit it up on uh, CastBox, Pocket, Pop. Why am I? Nut Jam. I, I use the app and I can't Pocket Cast. I think that's it. <laughs> yes. CastBox, Pocket Cast. In those areas. I don't have any music I can bring to you this week just because I'm listening to the same stuff I've been listening to, just hitting, you know, the radio station I like on Google Play and uh, kicking away with some tunes, which sometimes when you're out cutting wood, 
Some good rock and roll can really help you get through them logs. Did you even really need to know that? Probably not. That's just how it goes. That might be my cue. Somewhere around here I got music to get me out of this. Oh, there it is. <laughs> well, that wraps it up this week. As always, I appreciate you listening. And I did get those stickers in the mail to everybody. Thanks for reaching out. And uh, hopefully I get to see where you stick them appropriately. Please. It's all about appropriateness. Don't get in trouble. I, I guess maybe you just want to put it on the back of your laptop. That way when you're out uh, in the internet cafe, people be like, What the Pat? Why is that monkey on a banana with a crown? Oh, just because. Yeah. I don't even know how I came up with the logo. But that's what you get. Mm-hmm. Because it's What the Pat. So I'm signing off. I'm out. If you do have any cool bathroom gadgets, I'd like to hear about them kitchen gadgets, all kinds of stuff. It's always fun to, you know, hear what everybody else is using too. Because, of course, what I'm using is not the defecto and you should go for it. But there you go. If you got any Girl Scout cookies, enjoy them. If you got any puffed weed or puffed rice, throw that shit out. I'm gone. Cutting wood. You know, nut milk. Nut jam. Burger King, I don't know what you're doing, but you're fucking up the Coke. No reach over for me.